Open your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Colossians, chapter 2, and a scripture we've been looking at together for the last number of weeks. And uh, I want to get into some things today that are connected to where we've been uh, in light of this scripture here in Colossians 2 and other things that the Lord's shared with us over the last number of weeks, but strongly in connection to what's coming up just a couple of days from now as we get ready for this conference. The Family Faith Conference, we're stirred up and excited about it. Um, I want you to have it on your mind and in your heart and let the Lord talk to you about it today. Look in the book of Colossians with me at chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. He said in verse eight, beware, watch out, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, verse 10, and you are, say this with me, complete in him. You are complete in him. That's the title of the series we've been in together for about the last nine or 10 weeks. And I have a sense in my heart that we're kind of bringing this part of it to a close and, and we're going to see what the Lord says to us in these services coming up over these next few days. But I want to wrap it up uh, talking about some specific things today, but I want to drive this home again, that you are right now where you sit, you are complete in him, Amen. that you're not missing anything. You're not a broken vessel, man. People, especially people in the church love to talk about how broken we all are. They love to talk about how we're all just scarred and broken. And man, it is easy. It's an easy. Amen. When you start preaching about, aren't we all just broken vessels? Oh, we are. Um, I'm complete. If the word of God is true and it is, then I'm complete and you are complete. But that completion is found where? In him. And that's why we're done wasting time asking this question. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? What is my life? Who am I? What is life about? Who am I? Who am I? Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Amen. That's a waste of a time. Here's the question you should be asking. And the one you should be answering is this. Who am I in him? Who is he in me? And what the scripture said is that Jesus in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, there's nothing missing in him. Jesus didn't walk around a broken vessel. Jesus didn't walk around incomplete wondering who he was. Everything God was and all that God is and all that God has and all that God does, man, he jam-packed all of that into Jesus to the place where the scripture says that Jesus was and is the visible image of the invisible God. And it's like Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What a massive statement that is. But right in connection to his completeness, the Spirit of God adds this, your completeness. Just as Jesus was complete, you're complete. Just as much as he was complete in the Father, you and I are complete, totally put together in him. Amen. But I want you to draw the connection today back to what we read here, beginning in the sixth verse, because all of this is so connected to each other. 
Look at it again one more time. Verse 6, Colossians 2. Pay very close attention to every single word here. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you therefore have received him, now what? Walk in him. The same way you received him, walk in him. Now notice what happens the longer you walk in him. Verse 7, you get rooted. You get built up in him. And you become, listen to these words, established in the faith. This is, a, this is painting a picture of somebody who's complete in him. Rooted, built up, and established. Why don't you say it with me? Rooted, built up, and established. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, walk in him. And the longer you walk in him, the longer you walk with him, which is really just another way of saying walking by faith. Can you see that? That's the same thing. Walking in Christ is the same thing as walking by faith, not walking by what you see, not walking by what you feel, but living by what you believe living by the word of God. Walking in Christ is walking by faith. And the longer you do that, the deeper your roots go. The longer you do that, the stronger you become built up. And the longer you walk in and the longer you walk with him, the longer you walk by faith, the more established in faith you become. Now, so many wonderful things happened in the moment you made Jesus the Lord of your life. I don't even know if we know all the things that happened. I mean, in an instant of time, we were translated. You know what that means? Translated. That's not like a slow mosey. That's like a, man, you, you, like sci-fi kind of stuff. You were translated. You were in one place, and the next moment you were in another place. And the Bible says you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the son of his love. That happened in a moment. You went from sinful to righteous. Not because of something you did, not because of something you performed or worked for, but because of something he did, what he worked for. And you went from full of sin to being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in a moment, the moment you made him the Lord of your life. But did you notice what this scripture said? As you therefore have received him, what next? Walk in it. In other words, this is not a one and done kind of thing. You made Jesus Lord. That's wonderful, man. All of heaven celebrates. All of heaven rejoices. When it happens here, your whole church family goes ballistic. We get so excited about somebody coming home and somebody being part of the family. But now what? Walk in him. And the longer you walk in him, the more rooted, built up, and established you become. Rooting, building up, and establishing are not things that take place in an instant. These are things that take place with time. These are things that take place as you walk. Can you see what I'm saying? Just a couple of days ago, I was sitting in the living room at our house, 
I think it was back on Wednesday or Thursday. Has anybody noticed the, the wind we've had around here lately? I know you have. We've been up around, what, 30, 40 miles an hour gusts, 50, 60 mile an hour winds. And I was sitting in the living room looking at this scripture. And we've got a window there in our living room that looks outside. We've got a lot of trees right out there in front of us. And some of these trees are big, man, tall trees, probably 30, 40 feet or more. And I was watching as this 50 mile an hour is blowing around, mile an hour wind is coming through. These trees, you can see the effects on them. And they are swaying back and forth, back and forth. But you know what? When I went to bed that night and got up the next day, every one of them were still there. Oh, you could see the effect of the wind for sure. You could see it. But I didn't get up the next day and the the forest was removed. I didn't get up the next day and, and all these hundreds of trees were laying down. No, there they stood. Why? Rooted. Are you hearing me? rooted, built up and established. You probably don't need me to tell you this, but the wind is coming. Storms come church. We know it. And it does us no good to pretend like they don't, but a believer, somebody whose life is dedicated to God and the plan of God and, and walking in Christ Your goal, if that's the right word in this life, should be to be rooted, built up, and established. Can you say it again? Rooted, built up, and established. So that when the wind does blow, oh, you might see the effects of it, you might feel the effects of it, but when it's all settled, there you stand because you're rooted, because you walked with him and got rooted in him. But here's what I want you to see today. Notice what this is connected to. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. You ready for this? As you have been taught, there is this inseparable connection between being rooted, built up and established and what you've been listening to. It matters what you're listening to. Do you see here that the connection between being rooted, built up and established is connected to as you have been taught, as you've been taught, the result is if it's good teaching, oh, this is so important. Don't sleep through this. If it's right teaching, if it's good teaching, if it's the word of God, the result is you get rooted. The result is you get built up. And you get established as you have been taught. So I want you now to go to the book of Hebrews with me. And all of this is coming from what the Lord told us at the beginning of this year out of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 that says, May the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You haven't forgotten those words, have you? That's what he spoke to us months and months ago, that the God of all grace was busy doing in our lives, in this family, in this house, in your house. He's at work perfecting and establishing and strengthening and settling you. Now we've talked for weeks and weeks about what it means to be biblically perfected and how it doesn't have anything to do with being flawless after this flesh. It has to do with being complete. 
That's what the word means. Now, there's a number of words in the New Testament that get translated perfected, but if you look at them and you really dig deep enough, in every one of them, you see this come up over and over. It's the idea of being complete. It's the idea of being whole. Many of these words have to do with being mature, growing up spiritually. These words have to do with being developed, but all of it has to do with being complete. That's what this word perfect means. But you notice in that same list of words there, perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. What did he say? As the result of the teaching that you're listening to, that you'd be rooted, built up, and established in the faith. This has got to be priority in our lives, church. To stick with God long enough to stay with his word long enough that the result is a rooting. Roots that go down deep, deep, deep roots. And Jesus talked about this in the, the parable of the sower. He talked about seed that fell on shallow ground. And because it couldn't penetrate, because it couldn't produce roots and go down deep, he said, as soon as the sun came up, as soon as the heat got turned up, it was scorched and it withered away. Why? No roots. He said immediately it withered away. What is immediate? It means no time. No time has passed. They didn't stick with it long enough. So what's the opposite of being rooted? What's the opposite of living a rooted life? Living a shallow life. Shallow thinking, shallow talking, shallow praying, shallow understanding of God and his word. I ain't got time for that. You don't have time to live a shallow life. You got to get some roots about you. You got to let some roots go down deep. Being rooted, built up and established in the faith. And again, these things don't happen immediately. They happen over time. In Hebrews chapter 12, Man, to understand Hebrews 12, especially these first couple of verses, you really got to understand Hebrews 11, which Hebrews 11 is that great hall of faith. It's the one that says, by faith, this one did that, and by faith, this one did the other, and by faith, and by faith, and by faith, and by faith, Enoch, and by faith, Abel, and by faith, Moses, and by faith, Abraham, and by faith, Sarah, and by faith, David, and goes right through the list of some of these major players all throughout the Old Testament who lived and talked and fought by faith, by faith, by faith. And of course, their stories are inspiring. Their stories are exciting. Their stories are illustrations and demonstrations for us and how to live and walk and talk and fight by faith. But there's an interesting verse right at the end of Hebrews 11. As you go into chapter 12, that you got to pay attention to. It says in Hebrews eleven thirty nine, all these, talking about all these different ones that we just mentioned. He said, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. Verse 40, God having provided something better for us, listen to these words, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. All those people that we just listed, Starting with Abel, going all the way through Abraham and Sarah and David and Joseph and one right after the other. He said, yeah, they all obtained a great testimony. 
Absolutely. Great testimony of, of great things that God did in their lives. And he did it through their faith. And yet he adds this verse, but God had something better for us. That ought to get you and I excited to think that what God has for us is better than what Abraham had is better than what David had with God. God had something better for us. And he used these words that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What do you know? Perfect means complete as good and wonderful as their testimony was. It was not complete. What we have is perfect. And he goes right out of that into chapter 12, where he says in verse one, therefore we also, we also what? Well, if verse, if chapter 11 is by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, this one, this one, this one, this one, by faith, by faith, by faith. What is he saying in chapter 12? Therefore we also by faith, we also by faith, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, when it comes to our faith, rooted, built up, established in the faith, when it comes to our faith, Jesus serves two main roles. He is the author of it and he is the finisher of it. Jesus is the author of your faith and he is the finisher of your faith. Listen to some of these other translations. It'll begin to make more sense to you. The New Living Translation says it like this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The Christian Standard Bible says Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter, the perfecter of our faith. That's what the word finisher literally means. He's the perfecter of our faith. The Amplified Bible says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. The contemporary English version says, we must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us. You ready for this? And makes our faith complete. This is what it means to have him as the perfecter of our faith. As you have received Jesus, how did you do that? How did you receive him? It was by grace through faith. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that God has given unto every man a measure of faith. And it was with that measure that he gave you that you had faith to make Jesus the Lord of your life. As you have received Jesus, how'd you do it? By grace through faith. God gave you a measure of faith. But here's the thing. 
That measure is supposed to grow. That measure is supposed to develop. That measure of faith is supposed to mature. So you can see that when he gave it to you and what he gave to you, it was everything you needed to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Well, now what? Now it needs to grow. Your faith is supposed to grow. The, the Bible says that in the book of Second uh, Thessalonians. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. In chapter one, verse three, it says, we're bound to give, uh, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. And the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. Why is he giving thanks for these people? Because their faith's growing. Come on, is there anybody in this room this morning that interested in your faith growing? See, many, many, many people have made Jesus the author of their faith. Man, when they called on him and gave their heart to the Lord and Jesus became their Lord and their Savior, he right then and there authored, initiated, began their faith. He started it right then. Jesus became the author of their faith. But sadly, most people never give another thought from that point for the rest of their lives about that faith growing, developing, maturing, being perfected. The only thing they know is Jesus as the author of their faith. Yeah, but what about the perfecter of your faith? What about your faith growing so big? What about your faith growing so strong? That just as you've received him, you're walking in him so long and so tight that you look up and you used to live a shallow life, but now you are rooted in him. You used to be a weak person who got rolled over and ran over at every turn, but now you are built up in him. Who used to be all over the map, but now you are established in your faith. Glory to God. That's awesome. How you get there? We know how he becomes the author of our faith, but how does he become the perfecter of it, the completer of it? Your faith, that measure that God gave you, he fully intended for it to grow. He fully intended for it to develop. Let's not be people who let Jesus be the author of our faith, but neglect to allow him to be the perfecter of our faith. This is about being complete in him, letting him be the perfecter of our faith. Can the measure of faith that God gave you, can that grow? Yes. Answer me. Can that grow? Yes. Should it grow? Yes. Absolutely. Um, let's answer this question. How did Jesus author our faith? Go to the book of Romans. This is something that's familiar to you. Let's find out how Jesus became the author of our faith. In Romans chapter 10, let's begin down around verse five. We'll read several verses here. Romans chapter 10, verse five says, Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But... The righteousness of faith speaks. What does the righteousness of faith do? It speaks. It says something. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, 
that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. He said, don't say that. But what does it say? The righteousness of faith says this, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. The word of faith, which we preach. I think there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that would be surprised to find out that the word of faith is a scripture in the Bible, the New Testament at that, because there is so much resistance to what has been called the word of faith and recognized as a denomination or a group of individuals. But the word of faith didn't start with Kenneth Hagin or Kenneth Copeland or any other Kenneth for that matter. It started with Jesus. And Paul said it by the spirit of God. This is the word of faith that we preach. If you were to ask what kind of preacher Paul was, guess what? He's a word of faith guy. He's a word of faith preacher. And I've heard it. You've heard it. I'm thinking of one individual right now. This is a well-known guy, large church in another part of the country, big meetings. I saw an interview with him and the, the pastor that was talking to him asked him and said, are, are there any groups or denominations or, or any, any part of the body of Christ that, that you would specifically warn people from staying away from? a terrible question. Man, shut up. Who cares? <laughs> but you know what he said? I think word of faith is really dangerous. I just want to like knock on the TV and be like, bro, you know, that's a scripture, right? Word of faith. But here's what happens. People start defining things with other individuals when really only the definition can be given by the word of God. And you never want to be guilty of letting somebody else bring definition to something only Jesus can. And some of these guys, bless their hearts, sometimes, you know, they fight this and, and I grew up with it. I've told you this before, but I grew up with, you know, my family being in the newspaper every now and then. Uh, you know, people fighting the word of faith thing. I went to a Christian school from kindergarten to graduation and man, every imaginable denomination was represented in there. And it's like, nobody had anything in common except for their hatred of Kenneth Copeland. It seemed, it seemed like that was the only thing anybody really could agree on was that that was wrong and that was bad. But sometimes you just want to tell folks, hey, you know, Papa didn't write Mark 11, 23 and 24. <laughs> You can't be guilty of letting somebody else bring definition to what the word has defined. And I think sometimes people are going to be really surprised perhaps in eternity at some point to find out that the biggest difference between them and us word of faith folks was not doctrinal, but over and over the biggest difference between us is love. Let it be. I've said this before, but I hear people talk sometimes and specifically about people I know, preachers I know, some that I'm related to. And I think to myself, bro, the biggest difference between you 
and Kenneth Copeland or Creflo Dollar or Kenneth Hagin or anybody else you want to mention in the Word of Faith camp. It's not doctrinal. The biggest difference is that they would never use their God-given platform to judge another man or his ministry. That's called love. Love. And what did Paul say? This is what the righteousness of faith says. It speaks like this. It says something. And it says the word is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. And it is the word of faith. Now listen to what the word of faith is. Remember, we're asking and answering this question. How does Jesus author? How does he begin our faith? This is the word of faith. Verse nine, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in his heart, believe in your heart, excuse me, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why? For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the word of faith. And again, so many people in, in what they think is resistance to a message or a doctrine or an individual, all that confession stuff. Don't buy into that. Don't believe in that confession. Folks, if confession, if what we say about confession is not real and it's not powerful and it's not effective, we all going to hell. Because according to the scripture, this is how we're saved. This is how we're born again. It's what's in your heart coming out of your mouth. Don't tell me this stuff isn't real. Don't tell me this isn't powerful. It's powerful enough to change your eternal destiny. Don't tell me it can't do something to this physical body. Don't tell me it's not powerful enough to work in this material world. Uh-uh. This is the word of faith, and this is how Jesus authored your faith. Keep reading. He says in verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is over all is rich. Somebody say rich, rich. to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, verse 14, though, he's going to ask you a series of questions here, and I want you to answer them. He said, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So the, the end goal here, the end goal for you or for me or anybody else is that you bring somebody to the point where they call on him. This is where Jesus authors your faith. That moment you call on him. And folks, you need to be ready to answer this question. I never want anybody in this church to be caught off guard by this question here from somebody in your life, your family, somebody you work with or go to school with and somebody who just comes and says, how do I get saved? How my, my, my heart's just gnawing at me. How somebody help me out. How here's the answer. Call him. You call him, you call him Lord and you, you believe it in your heart. Never be caught off guard by that answer. Never put them off. Never, never send them down some other trail. Just answer it. Be bold to answer it right there. You call him, 
Come on, I'll help you do it right now. We'll call on him together. And the end result, then the, the desired end result is that somebody comes to that place where they say something. This is what the righteousness of faith does. It says something. It says something out loud and it calls on Jesus. But notice this question he asked here. He said, how are they going to call on him in whom they have not believed? What's the answer to that? They can't. They won't. People are not calling on a God they don't believe in. Nobody's doing that. So before you can get them to call on him, there's got to be a believing that takes place. Isn't that what he said? If you believe in your heart, then you say with your mouth. Do you get the order there? You believe it. Then you say, all this is Jesus authoring your faith. How can they call on him if they haven't believed? Well, the answer is they can't. They won't. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So the end result is getting somebody to call on him, but we got to back up because before they can call on him, they got to believe in him. But here's another question. How are they going to believe in somebody that they hadn't heard about? So you got to back up even before believing and they have to hear. This is how every person from the moment Jesus was raised from the dead until this moment right now has been born again. This is how faith has been authored in the life of every person. They heard. And in response to what they heard, they believed. And what that believing produced was a calling on him. But if they hadn't believed, they're not going to call. And if they hadn't heard, they're not going to believe. But he backs it up even one more. He says, how shall they hear without a preacher. Now what in the world does a preacher have to do with any of this? How are they going to hear without somebody saying it, without somebody proclaiming it? So there's got to be a track that somebody follows. If the end result and Jesus being able to author an individual's faith, it starts with somebody proclaiming it, then that person hearing it, and in response to what they heard, they believed it, and in response to what they believed, they said it. They called on it. Now he goes on in verse, what is this, verse 15, and he says, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. Do you feel that way? I mean, think back across your life. You've been walking with the Lord for any length of time now. Do you feel that way about the, the people, the men and women who brought the word to you? Especially the ones who first brought the word to you. Some of you can probably think back decades now to being in a, a church somewhere in your hometown and either a pastor or some other minister stood in the pulpit and they just simply said, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, his only begotten son, that whoever, don't you love that word? Whoever, can I see the hands of the whoever's? That whoever would believe in him 
would not perish, but have everlasting life. And some of you can think back and remember that. You remember hearing that, and maybe you had heard it hundreds of times before, but that time, it's like you'd heard it, but that time you heard it. It's like you heard it with your guts, man. You heard it with your heart, and it stirred something on the inside of you, and for the first time, you responded to it, and you believed it. You heard what the preacher said, and you believed it. And then after you believed it, you called on him. And in that moment when you called on him, he was faithful to save you. Right then, Jesus became the author of your faith. Isn't it funny he says that how beautiful are the feet of those? I mean, I'm thinking, you know, head to toe here. And it's the, I know what my feet look like. And I would not say it's like the most attractive part of who I am. I, I wear these shoes for a reason. But man, when you value, when you put so much value on the word that was brought to you, even something like feet become beautiful to you because those feet brought that word here. My life was changed when those feet came walking in this room. My life was altered and my eternal destiny was changed. And I love the feet of the person who brought me that word. I heard that word and I believed that word. And in response, I called on Jesus. And in that moment, he authored my faith. And he says in verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How does Jesus author our faith? Where does that faith come from to call on him? It comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. But listen to this from, oh, from the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Classic, Romans 10, 17 says, faith so faith comes by hearing what is told and what is heard comes by the preaching. Listen, what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. We've read that for so long. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But what's actually written in this language and I wish it was more well understood, was that faith comes by hearing and it comes by hearing what is preached. And what is preached is the message, he said, of the Christ. Does anybody know what Christ means? The anointed, the anointing. What's he saying? Faith comes when you hear an anointed word. That's how faith comes. Jesus authored your faith when you heard the word and there was anointing on it, there was something extra on it and you responded in faith to it. That's how faith comes and that's how Jesus authored your faith. So there's the answer to the question. How is Jesus the author of our faith? He authors it when we hear the word preached under the anointing and we respond to it by believing it. And when we believe it, we say something. We call on him. But what about Jesus being the perfecter, the developer, the completer of our faith? What about Jesus making our faith 
so strong that when the wind gusts up to 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, oh yeah, you see the effects of it, but we don't go anywhere. We're still standing there when it all settles. How does Jesus become the strengthener of our faith to the point where we are rooted, built up, and established in him? You want to know how he does it? The same way that he authored it. It's the same way. There's nothing different. He authored your faith beginning with the anointed word that you heard and believe and responded to. He develops your faith the exact same way. Hearing the anointed word, believing it, saying it. Let's not waste any more time asking God for more faith. This is not how it grows. And there ought to be something that rises up on the inside of you when you hear that. I heard it again just in the last few days. I don't know how I came across this message. It popped up on a feed and I thought, well, let's hear what this guy says. I don't know who it was, but I heard him say it again. That sometimes bitter things and storms occur in our lives. And sometimes God does miracles and he helps us. And other times he just gives us the faith and the strength to endure. There ought to be something on the inside of you that rises up and goes, uh-uh, mm, no, uh-uh. See, faith does not come because you asked God for it. He's already given you that measure of faith. Now he's expecting it to grow. And people often use this, this scripture in the book of Luke. The disciples, you know, Jesus was talking about forgiveness. And he was talking about how often we ought to be ready to forgive. And he says, if you've got somebody that, that sins against you and they do it seven times in a day, and the implication is that they do the same thing seven times in the same day. Jesus said, you need to be ready to stand and forgive them seven times in the same day. And you want to know what the disciples response to that was? Lord, increase our faith. We got to have more faith. So Lord, go ahead. Go ahead. We're ready. We need some more. Increase our faith, Jesus. Zap us. But do you know what Jesus said to him? If you had any. He said, if you had faith, you would say, oh, come on. Listen to me. The righteousness of faith says something. If you had faith, he said, you'd say, you'd say to this mulberry tree, be lifted up and be thrown into the sea and it would obey you. So don't waste your time asking for more faith. This isn't how it comes. It doesn't come with, oh God, give me faith. Oh God, I need more faith. I need faith to endure. I need faith to weather the storm. So just go ahead and just hit me with some more faith. This is not how it comes. And don't ever walk up to somebody, some preacher and say, lay your hands on me. I need some of that faith you got, brother. Lay your hands on me. I need some. It doesn't come that way. How does faith come, church? It comes by hearing 
and hearing the anointed word. And if that's how that first measure of faith comes, guess how how perfecting of faith comes, developing of faith, maturing of faith, strengthening of faith, more word, more word, more word, more word. It should not be you going, God, I need more faith. It should be you going, God, I need more word. Give me some more word. When you recognize there's a deficiency in your life somewhere, whether it's spiritual or in your soul or in your body, materially, financially, your first thought should not be, man, I need more money. Your first thought should be, man, I need more word. I got to hear some word on this. Lord, give me the anointed word on this because that's how faith comes. It comes by me hearing this word. And believing, man, we throw this word around a lot. I'm believing for this and I'm believing for that and I'll believe with you. And if you would believe with me, we throw this word around like we know what it means. But did you notice what the progression was? You cannot believe until you've heard. There's nothing to believe until you've heard. It would be like you sitting in this room all by yourself. Nobody in here. You're just sitting here on the front row, sitting there quiet. It's dark, it's quiet, nothing going on. And I come running in the back door, bless God, I slap you on the back and I say, glory to God, I believe that. (laughs) What? I didn't say nothing. You didn't say nothing. What is there to believe if nothing's been said? And this is what people are calling faith. I believe this and I believe for that and I'm going to believe for that and I'm going to believe with you and will you believe with me? If somebody says, will you believe with me? Your first response should be, okay, based on what? Because if we don't have a word, then what we're doing is called make believe. That's not faith. That's pretending and it's unproductive. It has no power in it. And there have been people that have failed in quote unquote what they're believing for. And they end up walking away from faith saying, oh, this doesn't work. Well, you're right. That doesn't work. There's an order to these things. It starts with hearing the word. And it can start in no other place. And not just the word the anointed word. Back in 2011, it was February of that year. Sarah and I had just started our ministry in September of the year before. And just a few months out of the gate, there was a businessman in our area who I knew, but not well. He called me one to have lunch with me. And he said, Jeremy, I've got a Cessna 421. It's a little twin engine, prop airplane, piston engine. He said, "Uh, I want to give it to you. He blessed us. Our ministry is just a few months old and he gave us an airplane to travel around the nation in and to to minister in churches. So we were using it. Our first trip, we flew from Fort Worth out to California and in a little twin engine piston airplane. That takes all day, man. But glory to God, we had an airplane. In February of that next year, we had been invited to minister in another church. And there was kind of a strange weather phenomenon going across almost the entire nation at that point. It was like snowing in America that, at that time that year. 
and the South had been hit really hard with ice and sleet and snow and things had been shut down for a while. And you know, if Texas sees a flurry, it's like Texas is closed today. Don't, don't bother leaving your house. But there was some really extreme weather going on, and I got on the phone with this pastor who had invited us out to speak, and he said, hey, listen, no, no pressure. You know, if we need to reschedule, we can, and we're flying our own airplane. And he said, y'all, y'all, y'all talk about it and pray about it. So we, we did, and Sarah and I talked. I said, Lord, Sarah, what do you got in your heart? What are you getting from the Lord about it? And we both got the same thing. We got a word. Now, there's no scripture that I can find anyway that tells me whether or not I should get in the airplane and go preach in such and such church at such and such day. So if I don't have a word from the word, what do I need? I need a witness from the spirit on the inside. The same one who authored the word lives in me. And I'm familiar with this voice, which makes me familiar with it on the inside. And what she and I both got as we sought the Lord was stay home, reschedule, stay home. So we felt confident doing that. I called the pastor back. I said, pastor, we prayed about it. And uh, we just got it in our hearts that we're, we need to reschedule this. We're supposed to postpone. And he said, that's fine. You know, some people have great faith and they can just press through, but you know, you just got to go with where you're at. The conversation went on, but I don't remember anything else he said from that point. <laughs> Because the Lord got my attention. He said, you need to pay attention to this. This is what people think faith is. That you can just decide what you're going to do. Somebody help me out. How does faith come? How's faith perfected? Hearing. What did we hear? Stay home. What can I have faith to do? Stay home. Yeah, but what about Psalm 91? What about the angels? They're all in full effect at home. <laughs> there can be no faith to get in the airplane and go if he said, don't go. Can you see that? I mean, I can go out to the airplane. Bless God in the name of Jesus. We will go to the other side. I plead the blood of Jesus over this earth. Angels, you give, you've been given charge to lift us up and carry us all the way through. Glory to God. We will go and we will return. All this sounds good, doesn't it? All of it sounds like faith. But the word said, stay. Can there be faith to go? No. There can be faith to stay. I tell folks all the time, you want to know how I survived a plane crash? I didn't get on the plane. But I want you to see what's happening as that's occurring. Jesus is developing my faith. This didn't have anything to do with big faith, little faith. If you got great faith, you can fly in a snowstorm or it didn't have anything to do with that. Great, the greatest faith is faith that will take him at his word. The faith that will seek him for a word. This is how faith is authored. This is how faith is developed and perfected and made strong. Right around that time, it was about 2012, 
I told you guys the story before, but shortly before Sarah and I stepped into our own ministry in 2010, the Lord began talking to us about Colorado. Us being here is a dream that was more than 10 years in the making. And we spent the first part of our ministry back and forth between Texas and Colorado looking for a place. Lord, is it here? Where do we, where do we go? Where's our place? And I think sometime in 2012, I was online and I saw an amazing place. And I got so excited about it. I showed it to Sarah. We got both so excited about it. Beautiful. It's a beautiful 5,000 plus square foot home on 760 acres up in the mountains here in Colorado. And we thought, oh man, what we could do with that land. We could build this and we could build that. Man, I had some big visions. I'm going to build a runway. We're going to put this airplane on that runway and we're going to have these buildings and we're going to have this meeting facility and man, we're planning. And we got so stirred up and excited about it. Now, footnote, they wanted four and a half million for it. Hey, what's that? I'm faith boy. Come on. I grew up in this house. I know how to use some faith, man. I know how to call some stuff in. I know God's a big God and 4.5 ain't nothing for God. Glory to God. That's all. We came up to Colorado. We looked at it. We took a realtor. We're walking around. Now here's the other thing you need to know. Another little footnote here. While we're getting excited about this, we're sitting in our three bedroom, two bathroom, just shy of 1500 square foot track home. Great place. Super thankful for it. Oh, we, we really enjoyed that little place. But what are we looking at? We're looking at something much, much, much bigger, grander, greater. I mean, we're talking about going from 100,000 to 4.5 million. But hey, come on, faith, right? Faith. And we got excited about it and we showed our, uh, the board of directors of our ministry and we even shared it with some close friends. And like I said, we came and looked at it and we're shouting over it. Man, then that thing sold and not to us. <laughs> not to us. And I got to be honest with you. It's a little deflating when it's like, well, Lord, why even show it to us? Thanks a lot. You know what I mean? It's like telling a kid about candy that he never gets to eat. And that, that's rough, man. Why, why even show it to us? And you know, for a long time, I said what so many people have said. It's just about timing. And there really is timing involved. And it is important to know the timing of the Lord and to be in cooperation with the timing of the Lord. But something significant happened in the course of that time. Just a couple of years later, as Sarah and I continued in ministry, this thing about having a church started growing in us. And for years, I mean, we just started a year and a half ago. But what you may not know is that this has been, this has been in our hearts for going on a decade. Lord, where's the church? We got to have the church. We got to have a base. There's got to be a place for the kids to grow and serve. And there's got to be a family to do this life with. And we were so hungry for it. And there were times we would sit in the living room and cry. I can remember tears streaming down my wife's face going, Lord, when can we do this church? We want this church. When is it? Where is it? And we got so serious about it at one point, this was years ago, probably 2013, 2014, that we actually drove from Fort Worth up to Branson, Missouri for a Sunday service at Brother Keith and Miss Phyllis Moore's church. The ones who were coming 
this week. And we wanted to sit down with them and ask them uh, and submit to them about starting a church. And the only thing we knew was where we were. And we were in Fort Worth at the time and just had questions about it. But I was almost 100% positive they were going to say, glory to God, guys, you go for it. You do it, right? Step out by faith. But we sat down with them and asked them about it. And you know, a good leader won't always tell you yes or no. A good leader will give you something that leads you to the answer. And I just remember sitting there and then responding to us and to our question. And I'm sitting there going, number one, they're not answering the question. And number two, I can tell they're hesitant about us doing this. Do you have anybody? You got anybody in your life that could encourage you in a direction that may not be the one you're thinking, but you would at least tap the brakes a little bit? I'm so thankful I had that in my life because even though they didn't answer the question directly that day, what they did say was, guys, what's the Lord told you to do? What's he put right in front of you? And that was right before we started our television ministry. And they said, then you need to do that. Put everything you've got into that. And I'll never forget, Miss Phyllis started telling us about when they started their church, which was, they are right now today at their church in Branson celebrating 20 years. And she told us about the beginning days of their church. And she said, the timing was significant. And she said, if you'll get the timing right, it'll be the difference between 50 people and 500 people. So there again, I could tell they're not at peace with this. And I got up from that meeting and Sarah and I walked out the door and I looked at her and I told her, I know what to do. They didn't tell us this, but I knew it. I knew what to do. And we went and sat down at lunch and she said, what, what, what are we supposed to do? I said, we are supposed to be here in this church there in Branson, Missouri, every weekend that we're not preaching somewhere. That's an eight hour drive one way from home. The Lord didn't tell us to move there. He just said, get in church. So we made the commitment and we did this for a year. Every Sunday, we weren't out preaching somewhere. We loaded up the kids. Jesse was little, Justice was little. And we drove from Fort Worth on a Friday morning to get there in time for church Friday night, stay through Sunday morning, drive home Sunday. 16 hours on the road for a couple of days. And we did it over and over and over. Sometimes two and three times a month driving hundreds of miles. That's all I knew the Lord told us to do. What I didn't realize was happening was faith was getting in me. I'm hearing the word and hearing the word and hearing the word. And yeah, man, I, I know about faith. I grew up in this stuff. I've been born again since before I remember, honestly. I mean, three years old. Jesus, be the Lord of my wife, you know. And he authored my faith a long time ago. A long time ago. But what had to happen? What had to happen before this 
church that was in us could come out of us. What had to happen before we were even in the neighborhood of a $4.5 million anything? Faith had to grow. Faith had to grow. Faith had to grow. And what the Lord did for us for a year was when we weren't out preaching, he needed to make sure you're sitting in this anointed atmosphere, hearing the anointed word over and over and over and over again. And for a year, I would hear that word preached. And for a year, I would see Brother Keith stand up and they would launch a project, million dollar project. And I watched one thing after another happen and happen and get accomplished and one more done and one more done and a blessing to this ministry and a blessing to these people and millions coming in and millions going out. And over a year's worth of time, so much faith got on the inside of us that it wasn't just about another year or so. A couple of years from that, this Colorado thing came back up. And when it came back up, October of 2018, we lived here by June of 2019. And it seemed like such a fast work. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was years of the word getting in, the word getting in, the word getting in. And every time we took another step and we took another step and we took another step. Sometimes when people launch off into these big, so-called big faith projects, I just want to look at them and go, okay, that's great. You know, God is able, God is big. He can do wonderful things. Where were you yesterday? What were you believing God for yesterday? It's like us sitting in that little house, you know, and it took all our faith to be right there where we were. And, and, and it's absolutely the truth. 4.5 million, man, it's a drop in the bucket. It's like nickels and dimes to him, but it's not a matter of what he can do. It's a matter of what you can believe. It's a matter of what do you have a word on? And this is why I want to say to people, okay, great. Glory to God. Believe, believe big. But is what you're saying that you're believing for, is this the next step? Because faith is a walk. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, now what? Take a running, flying leap of faith? No. Take a step. Take a step. You know what we've been doing for 10 years, 12 years? Stepping. We stepped out of that little house. And we were up here in Colorado, believing God, seeking God. It was actually on one of the trips where we went to look at that place and others. Maybe it was after that when it sold, but we were in prayer and the Lord said, go back, go back to Fort Worth. It's not right now. Well, what can we have faith to do now? Can we have faith to stay here in Colorado and keep looking until we find it? No. We can have faith to go back. So we went back. You know what? We packed up that little house and we took a step. And we, we started renting a house. It was beautiful. It, it was bigger than what we'd been in and it was nice and it had a little bit of land with it. It was a great next step. And we stayed there for a couple of years and the kids grew there. And then we, then we bought some property in Fort Worth. First big, first big purchase we'd ever made. Bought an empty metal building. Just a few hundred thousand and, and glory to God, the Lord had enabled us to pay cash for it. This, that's awesome. We're taking steps. Just a few years ago, we didn't have anything. Now we're taking these steps and we stepped out of that house and we, we moved there to our ministry property and we stepped out of that house into another place and the ministry's growing and the television ministry's growing. And then we stepped out of that house and we bought 
uh, we bought another house and it was a beautiful place. And we thought, well, surely, surely, dear God, please let it, we'll just be here for a little bit. And less than a year later, he says, Colorado. It was a 10 year walk of faith. And the whole time, guess what's happening? The word's getting in, the word's getting in, the word's getting in. And the same one that authored our faith is perfecting it and developing it and maturing it and strengthening it and completing it. And yeah, we're listening to Brother Keith or we're listening to Papa or any of the others that the Lord, whose feet are so beautiful that he would send our way and give us the word. But here's what you got to understand. If it's strengthening you, I ain't doing it. I didn't author your faith and I'm not the perfecter of your faith. Neither is any other man or woman, no matter how anointed they are to preach the word. If they are anointed and if the word is anointed, it's Jesus that is perfecting your faith. That's what's happening. The author and the developer of it. And it was a 10 year walk. And you know what? That four and a half million dollar thing. I'm thankful that didn't happen. I might've made a four and a half million dollar mistake. I've never made one of those. I don't know if you have or not, but I'm not planning to. But look where we are now. Here we are at a place the Lord has put us. And this, this place, I don't know if you know anything about real estate or land, but I called my papa when we were looking at it. And I said, we looked at a building down in the Springs and, and it's a big building and it's got good parking, but it's kind of surrounded. We're looking at this other one. It's got 150 acres. I don't know, Papa, what do you think? He said, well, Jeremy, he said, that's the thing about land. They're just not making any more of it. <laughs> Anybody got a Papa like that? And right then I knew that's our place. That's our place. Beautiful place. Needed a lot of work. But between what it's worth and what we've put into it, we have far exceeded what we saw 10, 12 years ago. How you do that? Walk. You walk there. It's not a flying, running leap. It's a walk. And the same one who authored your faith will perfect your faith. And the same one who did it does it the same way. He perfected your, or he authored your faith when you heard the word and you responded in faith. He perfects it the same way. Why am I telling you this? Because in just a few hours, this week, Wednesday night, the Lord is sending a preacher to you. I cannot make you value this. I can't. I can tell you the value of it. I can demonstrate it. I can do my best to explain it, but I cannot make you value it. Only you can do that. Amen. But if you will, and you'll put value on the anointed word, then I promise you this. If you'll do what it takes to put yourself in that little seat for three days, you will hear things that strengthen you. You will hear things that develop you, that mature you, that complete your faith. And that's the thing about walking by faith. It is just a step, but there is such a thing as taking a really big step. That can happen as a result of this meeting, if you'll value it. So you got big vision, believe in God for big things. Glory to God. Believe big. 
what's between here and there? What are the steps between your Fort Worth and Colorado? Huh? Where were you yesterday? And I know people have beat themselves up believing, oh, I'm, I got this terrible diagnosis and I just need to believe to be healed. Absolutely believe to be healed. What were you believing for yesterday? Let's not start with life-threatening, debilitating diseases. <laughs> Where were you yesterday? Huh? Let's, let's believe God for socks. Let's, let's believe God for, for little things. Let's believe God for the light bill to be paid. Let's believe God for rent. And as you take that step and you see him do it, guess what? Faith's being perfected and faith's being perfected and faith's being perfected to the point where somebody says, oh, I'm sorry, you got cancer. Ha! Glory to God, I'm the healed of the Lord. I've seen him do wonderful things for me. He's strengthening me. Let the wind blow. And here you are. Rooted, built up, and established. Amen? Would you stand on your feet? I fully intended to preach short. I got to quit doing that. Thank you, Lord. Musicians, you guys come. I'm saying all this to you today because this is what I believe the Lord wants to do in this meeting coming up this week. These are not insignificant days for me. I'll be honest with you about it. There's no option. I need it. I'm going to put myself in that seat Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whether you're here or not, I need it. My faith needs this. I need this as a husband. I got to have it to be a good husband. And the one God's called me to be, I gotta have the faith that it takes to be a father. I've got to have the faith that take that, that, that comes from hearing the anointed word to be a pastor, to be a leader. I need a strengthened, a strong faith. And I am so thankful. Sarah and I were talking about this coming up. I'm so thankful that we did not start pastoring a decade ago because there's been two or three little things over the last year that I know if that had happened in our lives 10 years ago, I'm not even sure we'd be in the ministry anymore. But the word got in us. I said the word got in us and it built us up, it rooted us and it established us. And now we're walking and living in a dream. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.